0: From the team I'm Carson Sestooli. This is FanGraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of FanGraphs Audio is prospect analyst and the author of FanGraphs Organizational Top 15 Prospect Lists and the forthcoming Top 100 Prospect List. His name is Mark Hewlett. It has been precisely one month since I last spoke with Mark Hewlett, and in that time, he has produced precisely nine uh, nine more in the nine final organizational top 15 prospect lists. Uh, of his off-season top 15 prospect list project et cetera et cetera and what follows uh, we consider some names and ideas concerning those uh, those nine finalists if uh, if for example Adam Eaton of the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, is of some interest to you or any number of Cleveland shortstop prospects uh, is or are of some interest to you or uh, the difference between uh, Pittsburgh Pirates prospect Garrett Cole, and Stanford right-hander Mark Appel, uh, the difference between them, if any of that is of interest to you, or uh, alternatively, if just listening to a Canadian man talk for uh, approximately 30 minutes, if that's interesting to you, uh, then you'll be greatly satisfied by what follows. In fact, what follows is Fangraphs Audio. It features prospect analyst Mark Hewlett, and it begins right now. I think that if um, if if I can add anything of value to it, it's knowing what some of the projections look like for some of these players, um, you know, especially ones that are maybe uh, a little bit closer to the major leagues. Um, especially having gone through, well, uh, you know, having gone through and done um, a lot of the work, not on the computational side, uh, but at least on the, the presentation side for uh, Dan Zaborci's Zips projections. Um, and then having uh, spent a little bit of time, mostly just sorting leaderboards for Steamer, for example, um, and uh, fan projections, Oliver, et cetera. Uh, and so I think that that will likely inform the, the questions I ask here. And you know, I think that makes sense in the context of it being Fangraphs, et cetera. Certainly, a player to um, start with then is Adam Eaton. Um, Adam Eaton, of course, is uh, is in the Diamondback system. You have him. Uh, ranked fifth in that system for right now. <clears throat> I, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that, and I also love you to respond to um, his. Uh, both his Zips and Steamer projections are are incredibly uh, optimistic, and I and maybe you could uh, discuss um, why you think that might be um, as well, and and how we ought to regard those pro- uh, projections in light of um, you know Eaton's you know present value, his ceiling, his floor, etc.
1: So I'm curious. Do you think his ranking at five is too high or too low?
0: Well, or I, 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 I mean, I'm uh, willing to, you know, I know that you have a certain logic. I know that he is, that the projection systems are very optimistic about him, um, and I, and I think that that probably has to do with um, the way you know translations work from AAA. Um, they have them like that, but you know, I know that when you're doing a prospect list. You're, you know, you're considering present value. You're also considering a player's floor and his ceiling and his chances of making that ceiling, right? So, being ranked fifth on the Diamondbacks list um, would suggest that maybe you you are skeptical about Eaton's ceiling because his his present value seems to be pretty decent. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does, and I, I think you're right. He has pretty good present value. Um, he's major league ready. Uh, I think the Diamondbacks realize that. Um, But he doesn't have the highest ceiling in the world. Um, He's a smaller guy. Um, His game is going to be reliant on his speed and his hit tool. He's got a little bit of extra pop than you would expect for a guy his size, a sub-six-foot guy. Um, So I was a little, I guess, cautious in my ranking of him. Now, I will say, though, that he is probably one of my favorite prospects, just because I, I love that type of player. So I try not to let that cloud my overall uh, ranking of him. So maybe I was a little harder than I should have been, given the fact that I'm actually a pretty big Adam Eaton fan. And he came very close to actually being considered ahead of uh, Didi Gregorius um, when I did the the actual ranking for the Diamondbacks. So I could have easily flipped those two guys and um, been pretty happy with it. So he's definitely a, a good player. I just... I question how much of an impact player he's going to be, Um, and especially considering the fact that his defense is average in center field, maybe a little bit above, and there are questions about how long he'll be an average to above average fielder in center field, and he's maybe a better corner outfielder, but his offensive profile doesn't really fit well there. So that's really the big question that caused him to slide down a little
0: bit. When you say uh, you like that sort of player, are are you speaking... um... I guess from a production standpoint, or you know, like a, a future standpoint, future production standpoint, or are you saying maybe more from an aesthetic standpoint, or both? Maybe.
1: I, I guess I, when I say I like that type of player, I mean I kind of like the, the underdog, gritty, you know, I guess Diamondbacks kind of guy. Um, you know, I, when I grew up in the in the '80s as a baseball fan, the, the guys, the players that I tended to want to collect their baseball cards and follow them and and whatnot were the with the bench guys and the platoon guys and the scrappy middle infielders um, like Bill Dakota and Brad Wellman with the Royals and that, that that kind of guy. So I wasn't really a big fan of the big stars, the sluggers, the guys who hit 30, 40 home runs. I liked the
0: underdog. Now listen, I might have asked this question before, but I'm going to ask it again because I don't remember. Uh, and it's, that, it's this one. Um, Adam Eaton seems to resemble, at least superficially, uh, and is not uh, is not much older than maybe uh, actually maybe it looks like l- less than a year. Uh, Cubs prospect could be could be corner corner outfielder could be a center fielder maybe Matt Caesar, uh, the one whose name is spelled S S Z C Z U uh, R. I'm curious as to how helpful that comparison is, or or to what degree, um, um, or to what degree it's even accurate. And if you remember me asking that question before.
1: I don't recall you asking that question, okay. actually, all right, because I don't recall ever really thinking of the two together in the same thought process.
0: okay, yeah, so how does that uh, work i i the only th- the cues I'm taking are uh, probably uh, above average contact rate, uh, some speed, and maybe uh, questions about whether they're center or corner outfielders.
1: I think the big thing is that Eaton is a lot more of his present value right now, whereas Caesar is has a lot more to prove, being that he really only has had some success at the A-ball level, and he hasn't really had any Double-A or Triple-A at this point. Whereas Eaton has had all that and more, um, but they're I guess somewhat similar players in the fact that they have similar an offensive package, in that it's tied around speed and um, more of the small ball skills, I guess. I mean, Caesar's a little bit more of a physical player, and he could see a little bit more um, power developed if he changes his, perhaps his mechanics a little bit of his swing. I don't know if that answers your question. Or it
0: not. does. It does. That's precisely I think he played some football, right? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it always seems as though if a player has played football, um, correct me if I'm wrong. We can say about them two things. Uh, a, now that he's uh, focused just on baseball um his his development path uh, might swing upward um more quickly than we might expect and b uh, that he i don't know that he has a certain that it might inform his baseball playing mentality i don't know if these are if these are facts or if these are assumptions but it seems like those are two things those are two comments i see frequently associated with former football players
1: yeah i think that's fair to say um and just while I was thinking of it as well eaton is has some added value uh for based on the fact that he's a left-handed hitter, whereas uh, Caesar is a right-handed hitter. Um, And I think Eaton overall is just a more pure hitter, uh, where Caesar is going to be a little bit uh, – and it could be the fact that he did focus on football so long his swing isn't quite as natural.
0: Now, let me ask you this question. We'll stay within the Diamondback system um, for a moment. Uh, The Diamondbacks seem to have spent, as you note this, with regard to Didi Gregorius – whom uh, the Diamondbacks received in a trade uh, from the Reds. I think it was um, uh, it was the trade I think that sent uh, that had Drew Stubbs ending up in Cleveland somehow. Yeah, and
1: Trevor Bauer. Yeah.
0: Right, right, with Trevor Bauer as well. Uh, uh, the 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 Diamondbacks acquired. A, a, I mean, in addition to um, in addition to Cliff Pennington, whom they received, I guess, probably in the Chris Young trade. Um, they also uh, they also got Gregorius and they also got Nick Ahmed, who was part of the haul from the, um, uh, from, the, the from right from the Justin Upton trade. Yeah. Is there such a thing as acquiring uh, too many shortstops? Because they also have Chris Owings, uh, who you rank eighth in the system. Uh, Gr- uh, Gregorius, whom we've mentioned, is fourth, and Ahmed uh, already also mentioned from the Braves is tenth. Uh, is there such a thing as as too many shortstops?
1: I don't think so. It's such a tough position, um, and there's so much value tied to shortstops that they're setting themselves up well, not only with depth, but if they ever need to to trade for another area of weakness. Now they have a shortstop they can dangle out there. But at the same time, um, Ahmed and Owings both have questions in regards to whether or not they can stick a shortstop. So by getting Gregorius, who's definitely going to be able to stay at that position, They've secured a prospect who is without a doubt a shortstop prospect, whereas the other two guys are, There is some question about their ability to stay there.
0: Um, okay, yeah, and I, I suppose shortstops. Or, I mean, the thing that makes them a shortstop, right, is that they have above-average defensive tools, uh, both in terms of, uh, or, or I should say, three the three traits we might uh, assign to them is uh, range. Um, um, hands use of you know not just use of their hands because having hands is going to be important for most major league <laughs> positions but uh, soft hands and then also a strong and accurate arm
1: it's true and i, I think you you can't uh, forget athleticism too because you tend to have the best athletes on the field tend to be a shortstop and that strong athleticism gives them a chance to pick up other positions pretty quickly um, and pretty well so i think that that's key
0: now, also uh, so far as shortstop, I guess uh, large shortstop contingents, large organizational shortstop contingents go, uh, Cleveland um, is – again, who was uh, involved in that trade um, that saw Drew Stubbs end up uh, – Drew Stubbs and Trevor Bauer end up in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland has uh, an interesting contingent of shortstops too, and I'm, I'm curious if you might sort of discuss them as a unit, uh, their peculiarities. Of course, it starts with Francisco Lindor, uh, who's widely hailed uh, widely hailed shortstop prospect. Um I, of course, it also includes Dorses Paulino, who had just an absolutely bananas uh, season. Um, I think it was at a, a short-season league, uh, but stateside, I, I believe, as a seven, I think a 17-year-old. Um, that team also has a, a, another group, maybe a sort of second tier in Ronnie Rodriguez, uh, who, whom you have ranked eighth, and Tony Walters. That's also a pretty uh, substantial group of shortstops. So I was wondering if you could talk about them maybe – I know that on the one hand – You know, when you're doing a ranking, it's 1 through 15. Uh, Sometimes, though, it maybe makes more sense to tier prospects. And uh, so maybe you could use that uh, sort of heuristic as a way of discussing those guys.
1: Yeah, I I think um, Lindor is is a little bit different than the other two because he's known for being a really good defensive shortstop. And he has, in in talking with the organization themselves about him, they're just – Blown away and uh, can't say enough good things about his makeup and what type of person and player he is and leader on the field. So he's one of those guys who he's maybe slightly above average hitter at this point, but all his other skills are, are plus and uh, he's got plus makeup, which could potentially help his his hitting uh, play up a little bit because he'll get the most out of his abilities with Polino and Rodriguez they are more i guess uh, offensive guys they've got a lot of they're they're more raw they have a lot more potential at the plate they both have average or above average power potential as a shortstop which is something Lindor doesn't necessarily have he's more of a gap guy so Paulino and and Rodriguez maybe they're not going to push Lindor off shortstop because he's definitely the, the better fielder. Their power gives them a chance to succeed at other positions. Shifting to third base or um, second base is a possibility, but maybe you could even plug one of them into a corner outfield spot and hope that power really develops. Um, so definitely very, very different players. Um, uh, Paulino is a little bit of a better hitter than Rodriguez. Rodriguez is a little more raw a little more aggressive at the plate he needs to tone down his overall aggressiveness if he gets better pitches to hit better counts to hit in he could really take off
0: and so do you see i mean you mentioned that the other two guys are not necessarily going to be pushing lindor off um off shortstop this is i guess this is sort of the advantage of of having guys who at least are shortstops in name to begin with they can uh, sort of uh, migrate i guess uh, uh, down the uh, down the defensive spectrum and perhaps you're just still not losing too much value because they still have some of that athleticism and maybe as we've seen uh, you know with Xander Bogart's in the Red Sox system as we've seen is probably happening with uh, both with Manny Machado Jonathan Scope in the in the um, Orioles system if they have that bat then they could still they could still have value at the major league level
1: well absolutely and Polino and Rodriguez could even have even more value to the Indians through uh, a trade, perhaps, if the Indians want to try and improve their pitching uh, at a later time, they let uh, Paulino and Rodriguez see their value as a prospect increase a little bit, and then flip them for something else a little more proven. Or from the pitching side, it could really help them out.
0: Uh, I want to um, I want to move over to Pittsburgh now. We're, go- we're we're going from Cleveland to Pittsburgh. I don't know uh, what that is in terms of uh, an actual drive. Uh, in this case, it's instantaneous. Um, you rank Garrett Cole, of course. Uh, Top overall uh, draft pick a couple years ago uh, in the amateur draft. Amateur draft. Um, it, I, I think he was uh, he was probably um, you know conclu- conclusively number one uh, ranked prospect in that particular draft. A curious thing about Garrett Cole is that he was widely regarded as having excellent stuff, but if I'm not mistaken, his amateur numbers um, his amateur numbers were not fantastic. Uh, however, his numbers as as a pro. Um, in affiliated baseball, have actually been rather good. And I'm curious if you have a sense of what might cause that. First of all, I want to know what might cause that. Second of all, I'm wondering what that might let us know about about Mark Appel, um, who, of course, was drafted but did not sign last year, Um, I think also in this case by the Pirates. Uh, Appel also has excellent stuff and also has not had the most dominant um, amateur career.
1: Um, So what can cause it? I, I... I don't really know, to be honest. I guess it's the fact that Cole, as an amateur, was known for being inconsistent and hot and cold. And as he matures as a player, gets the professional coaching, I think a lot of that inconsistency has kind of gone away. Um, the big thing for him and the big thing that's holding him back right now is the command issue, commanding the fastball, getting ahead in the counts, working off the fastball, with his using, and then using his secondary pitches. Um, so that's kind of where he is at this point, and I, I think it is just the overall inconsistency he had as an amateur. And you know, as an amateur, a lot of times the coaching isn't anywhere near as it is it is now, and you don't have the expectation, perhaps, to the level that you do when you sign a multi-million dollar contract, um, and you know that you can't go goof off on the weekend. You've got to stay focused and get the job done. Um, was the
0: second part of the question? Well, is uh, with regard to Mark Appel, right? Oh, uh, oh, yeah. uh, he's been um, he physically he's gifted. Um, I don't necessarily know what his, his stats are right now. I think that um, relative to his physical gifts, uh, he probably underperformed them in terms of his output uh, for la- Stanford last year. Not that it was poor, but I think that it was uh, it seemed uh, I guess unimpressive relative to what seemed like his raw stuff. Um, I'm curious as to as to what. Uh, how or how um, Cole's, um, <clears throat> Cole uh, might be able to tell us something about Mark Appel or if they're just different cases because everyone's a different case?
1: I think they're probably, you know, different cases. Um, Appel from all reports that I've, I've uh, seen from Keith Law and uh, Jason Churchill is that he's much improved this year and he kind of entered the year as You know what, he's probably the the number one guy in the draft because there really isn't anyone else that's looked better than him. He's gone from there to being more legit, definitely the best talent available in the entire draft. Apparently his fastball is a little bit more consistent in terms of upper velocity. I guess his slider has a little bit more bite. But I'm getting all that uh, secondhand from some of the other guys, like I mentioned, Keith Law, Jason Churchill. So um, I think... And and Appel is going to be a little bit different too because he's going to get drafted as a as a senior this year, whereas Cole um, ended up signing as a as a junior. So there's a little bit difference there. And I think Appel just he was more of a late bloomer perhaps uh, when he came into college, and he's just sort of his stuff's just ramping up and he's learning how to use it. Whereas Cole was a little bit more talented as as a high schooler and was more of a legit first rounder coming out of high school as well. Um, but the signability caused him to slip and go, away. I believe it was the Red Sox who drafted him out of high school, but offered him a, uh, a multi-million dollar or at least over a million dollars to sign. So he had that talent way back when, whereas Zappella is more learning to pitch with the really good stuff that he's developed at this point.
0: Now, um, here's a, here's another question. Uh, we'll, we'll remain within the pirate system momentarily. You um, you talk about uh, two players. You discuss two players: a shortstop Alan Hansen uh, and an outfielder Gregory Polanco. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, both of these players experienced, uh, I guess, considerable breakouts in 2012. Is that is that a fact?
1: That is a fact.
0: That is a fact. I'm curious for you: um, to what degree, or or how you go about it? I'm sure at some level it's a case by case basis, but how you integrate into your overall understanding, um, in this case of Hansen and Polanco how you integrate that breakout season into what you know about the player now or sort of, you know, into your present assessment of that player and, and what he can do in the future. Um, you know, is it a question of because they're young, you feel as though this is uh, representative of having reached a new level? Or or do you maybe integrate it in a way that, like a projection system like Zipsmite where you say, okay, we'll wait this most recent season, uh, you know, by – uh, you know by a factor of five and then the one before it by you know by a factor of uh, three and then the one before that by a factor of one uh, I'm curious as to as to what that does for you your your understanding of of these players specifically and in a general how you how you integrate that breakout season into your assessment.
1: I think ultimately it comes down to you look at a player's numbers and then you look at the actual player so i'll I'll take a look at the player. Hansen, for instance, is the guy who broke out in 2012, but if you go back to my top, my Pirates' top 15 prospect list from the year before, with those lists I included an extra name with each one as this, the breakout uh, sleeper for 2012. And if you go back two years ago, you'll see that the Pirates breakout star that I thought, who I thought would break out in 2012, I guess I should say, was Alan Hansen. So I can take a little bit of, I guess pride in the fact that he's the guy that I thought was going to break out, and he actually did break out. And he's a guy that I play. Um, I saw his, his numbers from the low minors, and I thought, wow, that guy's you know got some real potential. If you know he makes a few adjustments, and he made those adjustments. Polanco is a guy I was a little less sure about, and you know in those instances, I'll take him and his name to people who know him, whether it's a scout or a front office guy, and I'll say. You know, this is what I'm thinking about Polanco. Am I off my rocker, or am I am I close? And you know, then I kind of get a better idea of, of who is more likely to be a breakout as opposed to a one year wonder.
0: Um, now, how would you how would you evaluate those players, Hanson and and um, um, Polanco, um, who, who who are younger minor leaguers? what does their story or their development <clears throat> tell us or not about uh, about that of a player oh, in in this case it's a pitcher so perhaps uh, you know that um, factors more heavily into your assessment of the situation um to a player like dan Straley, though uh, of course dan Straley is a right-handed pitcher uh, he was uh, um he had an excellent season last year i believe he led the minors in uh, overall strikeouts uh, and he was among the leaders in terms of starter pitchers um, in terms of strikeout rate uh, across two levels. I think he, he pitched quite well, both at double-A AA and triple-A. Um, was not as excellent in the majors, um, but it was a you know, rather a small sample as well. Uh, and of course, Australia is a guy who um, was taken in the later rounds, not the latest rounds, but later rounds, um, as, a, uh, as a college, uh, a college prospect. Um, and really, uh, whether it's a combination of, of fitness, uh, mechanical adjustments, or just understanding um, his stuff, understanding learning how to pitch, whatever those three, uh, wh- whatever among those three, uh, it is that has influenced his development. He was excellent this past year, and you rank him third in the in the A system, uh, which you know seems to suggest that you are um, excited about his present slash future potential. What about, um, um, or what not about uh, either Polanco or Hansen's breakout? Um, can can uh, tell us about Straley, so your your thoughts on Straley? I guess uh,
1: I don't really I don't really see that there's a whole lot between Polanco um, and Hanson that can really tell us much about Straley. I guess um, Straley's third on the A's system, in part because the A's system is pretty weak, to be honest. So I mean to say he ranks up there in future ability or talent, current talent or anything like that with but those two it isn't really fair. They're, the pirate system is quite a bit better than the A system. And Straley's a guy who has learned um, through experience and through good coaching how to take advantage and get the most out of his average or slightly above average abilities. Whereas Polanco and Hansen have these crazy good tools that they just have to learn how to harness. So they're very different. Different players, I guess, and I I don't know that I could draw too many comparisons between the two situations.
0: Uh, Staying within uh, uh, staying now within the A system, and also uh, with regard to another pitcher, I see that uh, um, coming in at number 15 on your A's list is a name that will be familiar because at one point, uh, maybe he still holds the record, but certainly at one point uh, he was the recipient uh, at age 16 of the largest international bonus ever, I believe, is Michael Inoa. Uh, he's uh, He's still not that old, um I don't know maybe he's a, he's hit his twenties now i think uh he was a twenty year old last season and pitched some of his first professional innings uh although they were not impressive ones i think he averaged over seven walks per nine in a brief uh, uh maybe thirty innings of of work uh what what can you just give us a michael and Noah update at this point and uh you know whether we'll ever see him on a major league mound
1: yeah i i took his name right to the A's organization and I kind of approached it really tentatively cuz i didn't know how they'd react to me bringing up his name cuz you know they did invest a lot of money a lot of time into the guy and um as everyone knows he's missed a, a ton of time has has barely pitched over the last uh, 3 or 4 years so i took his name to them and i and i said you know i'm i'm thinking about you know uh, making the end of the list and uh, you know i i asked them kind of what their thoughts are of of him at this point and it's kind of, I guess the response I got back was guarded optimism. He's not the, uh, the big flamethrower he was back when he was, uh, first signed uh, as a, you know, a 16, 17 year old because of the injuries and the missed time, but he's shown enough flashes of potential, uh, with his fastball getting back up in the 93 to 94 mile per hour range. Um, that there's definitely hope that he can still develop into at least you know maybe a, a number three or four starter or uh, a high leverage reliever. Obviously, he's still got a lot of work to do. He's got a long way to go, and his secondary pitches have um, suffered with the layoff time. but there's definitely hope for him. he's got enough potential remaining that he could be a very useful pitcher in the uh, in the coming years.
0: is that uh, I wonder because you know he was so highly touted, but he was also so young. Um, do, does something about his story, to go back to another Pirates prospect, does something about his story tell us um, about what could or or might future in the future happen to Luis Heredia, uh who's known to to throw rather hard, uh, but I still think still, I mean, he's still a teenager. Uh, you see his name come up, but you know uh, he's probably years away from uh, from making a from throwing a pitch in the major leagues.
1: Oh, absolutely, and that's one of the things that people who Keep track of prospects. Have to remember that there's such a high burnout rate that um, you can't really call anyone a, a can't miss prospect. Really, I think Heredia's uh, at least has a bit of an advantage because he's already thrown more professional innings, I'm sure, than know ever has, and he hasn't broken down yet. And you know, he's a little bit more of a sturdy player, I guess. And Noah was Noah was a larger Rail thin kind of guy when he got hurt. Uh, Heredi is a little bit more of a, a sturdy build, so you'd hope that you know he can hold up a little bit better. But you never know what's going on inside the elbows and the shoulders.
0: Right. Um, unless you had him, like I guess, an X-ray machine. But you can't. It's uh, frowned upon to watch um, a game with an X-ray machine. I don't think, mm-hmm. think it's impossible, is it really? As long as we're being, as long as we're being honest with each other. <laughs> I got nothing for that. Okay. Uh, let's do this. Um, um, uh, I have to go do my taxes soon, uh, is what I have to do, Mark Hewlett. Um But you do have a top 100 list. Uh, you do have a top 100 list, and uh, you suggested that maybe you could um, you know, offer some sort of preview of uh, what what a person could find there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I don't want give to give away too much, I guess. Um, so I think there's definitely going to be some surprises as to who ranks um, where on the list there's going to definitely going to be some controversy probably although readers who have read all the top 15 prospect lists will get a pretty good idea of how i view certain players because how they sort of rank on the top 15 list is kind of where they're going to fall in on the uh, top 100 list obviously Um, although it's jumbled up between the different teams and whatnot and there's sort of a you know a really good tier at the top I have some really uh good players who probably are going to make their debuts in the majors this year if they haven't already um such as your jerks and profars and oscar Tavares and dylan bundy and will myers they're all going to be up there near the top um and then you're going to see some surprises near the end i'm sure of guys that i'm pretty big on and i'm sure i'll get tons of uh comments on the article about why didn't so-and-so make the list and um, even up until this morning, I was still making a few minor tweaks to the the back end of the top 100 list. And
0: right. So why didn't just, so so to answer to ask that question, why didn't Phil Irwin make the list? Huh?
1: <laughs> um, you'll find. I'm trying to remember how many relievers made the top 100 list. Um, zero. Oh. So, so um, you, zero relievers.
0: Phil Irwin is a is a reliever, a future reliever for you. I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, fine. You want to have that attitude about it, Chase Anderson? What about Chase Anderson? He, you just Chase barely Anderson. from the from the Diamondbacks organization. Excellent changeup.
1: No. Well, okay. I can tell you, he he didn't make my top fifteen. List, yeah, I know. So it would be hard for him to make my top one hundred list.
0: Yeah. Well, that's one of your flaws, I guess. One of your big flaws.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's a whole list of them, then, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you'll go over those with me when we see each other next
0: week. Yes, we will be seeing each other next week. Actually, maybe we could do – we could do. well, I don't know. I, I have to figure it out. I'm bringing my microphone at least, though.
1: Um, oh, so maybe a little uh, little on-assignment uh, podcast.
0: Yeah, I was going to say I could do it with you and Newman, but I'm afraid Newman would eat one of us or the mic or something like that. You know, I guess <laughs> you your phone. Anyway, yes, uh, I'm going to go do my taxes, uh, which is something to look forward to. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us, Mark Hewlett.
1: Thank you for having me. That
0: has been uh, Prospect Analyst and the author of our Top 15 Organizational Prospect Lists, Mark Hewlett. Uh, I am Carson Testouli, and this has been FanRap's Audio.